Welcome to another episode of the Victory XR Show. I'm very excited because today I have Greg Heiberger, who is the Associate Dean of the College of Natural Sciences at South Dakota State University, and also one of the leaders and really uh, one of the catalysts of creating a metaversity at SDSU. And so, uh, Greg, I appreciate you joining us today. I appreciate all the pioneering work that you have done, one of really the, the first schools in the world to uh, build a, a metaversity campus. And, and so I would love for you just to sort of uh, introduce yourself and, and talk about your interest in virtual reality, and then we'll jump into the SDSU metaversity. Well, thanks, Steve. Thanks so much for for having me, and and honestly, thanks for the the partnership uh, between uh, your organization and and South Dakota State. Um, so, uh, my background and uh, uh, have been at South Dakota State for for about fifteen years, and really, in my master's and PhD work, was looking at uh, uh, new technologies, uh, free consumer uh, facing technologies, and and ways that that faculty and and universities could leverage those. Uh, software and, and hardware uh, experiences in the educational space. And so have been working with Facebook uh, and, and uh, how we use uh, groups uh, way back in new student orientation in 2006, um, all the way through some Apple Watch work and some um, other uh, emerging media uh, work that we've done over the last 15 years. Our VR uh, engagement really uh, uh, Victory XR was the spark that ignited the kindling. We've had lots of faculty over the last five or 10 years have interest, um, everything from Google Glass to, to other VR experiences, thinking about and imagining ways that it could impact them in the teaching and, and uh, the visualization really uh, specifically from the sciences of things you can't see uh, without uh, some sort of technology, a microscope or, or some other sort of 3D visualization but also really thinking about it from the sense of how does it solve real problems that we're faced with as, as a university. And so we've had lots of faculty. We have an engineering program. We have an architecture program. We have lots of folks who, who have been thinking about and wanting to be in this space. And, um, you know, uh, uh, Steve and I were, were talking before this that one of the things that really helped to spark us was a trip to my alma mater, Colorado State, and being able to see a campus that was doing this at scale. They had a hundred headsets hanging from the ceiling. Um, it was pretty amazing to see, but it was also a little bit disheartening to see. So a campus like ours, we don't have the resources of a Stanford or a, uh, a, a Ivy Plus uh, kind of institution. And, and even a Colorado State maybe don't have those types of resources to take risk uh, in uh, new technology and, and new innovations. And so um, we were really inspired, but we were also kind of disheartened to, uh, I think they were spending three to $5,000 a headset because they had um, desktop computers mounted in the ceiling, uh, AC units blowing over the, those to keep them cool, and then the headsets hanging from the ceiling. Again, an amazing experience. They, are, they scanned cadavers. They uh, had us put on a headset and walk through a beating human heart, but we just knew we, we couldn't get there. And so really, you know, the, the partnership with Victory XR um, and and certainly the price point of where the the MetaQuest 2s are at um, really was was what allowed us to open the door into this space. And we've we've had a, a amazing couple of years. We've really been at this now for 18 to 24 months, and and have uh, branched off into to lots of uh, of different areas. But really, 
building the metaversity through Victory XR is uh, again that that spark that that ignited the kindling at South Coast State. So you know that got us from zero headsets to fifty was this partnership with Victory XR, and and now we have over one hundred and fifty on our campus um, and uh, are deploying them in places like anatomy and chemistry, but also architecture and nursing and. Um, in in lots of different places, and so it it really has has uh, um, grown exponentially for us in the last couple of years. Yeah, that's great. And this is probably a good point to stop and thank Meta for their grant that uh, helped build the uh, digital twin metaversity, and I think grant of the first forty headsets. So mm-hmm. uh, they've really done a lot to um, spark the growth of uh, virtual reality and XR in in higher education in the United States, and now starting uh, around the world. So. Let's talk about some of the best use cases. Um, it's, it's. I always think there are more use cases than people realize, but um, you know, some things are not as intuitive. You know, for example, creative writing is, is not one of the better use cases, at least not yet, for um, for uh, an XR experience. But we've run into a lot that really are. What what are some of those on campus that seem to be making sense? So. I think we we found a, a few bumps in the road uh, in terms of some of the the our our own faculty uh, capacity in the sciences to be able to build the level of fidelity that that we maybe wanted. But I think that allowed us to partner with with others around campus. And so we've got an architecture faculty member who's been here for a couple of years um, and had done in I think her postdoc and previous work lots of work in VR AR. Um, and so our ability to partner with them um, has allowed the, the doors to, to really open wide for them. And so they're doing everything from community-based and community-facing projects in VR, uh, where they'll be building spaces and being able to, to build these digital twins and, and build their skills, um, but also be doing research on teaching efficacy um, in, in that space. Um, and, and then I would say that the School of Education, you know, I... I I, I wish that this would have floated to the top of my mind on day one, um, but it really did take time to to kind of bubble up. But now that it's there, this is going to be a really great uh, uh, opportunity for our uh, future secondary educators. So as we think about that and as we imagine what the rollout of new technology looks like in K-12, it's generally urban. It's generally uh, well-resourced schools that have opportunity. Um, and so then that also skews the the amount of training that, that the teachers have, that those K-12 teachers have. Um, we've got an education class on our, our campus that um, all of our uh, future K-12 science teachers will take, um, and they will get uh, the Victory XR uh, a faculty certificate. Um, they will have built a lesson um, in VR and deployed it with their peers. And again, uh, we need great science teachers everywhere, but this is going to give them all one, a skill, but two, I, I think a credential that a lot of their peers don't have. And so I think that will help us to push a little bit against some of the digital equity things we know um, exist and will exist. We'll now have some advocates in rural high schools uh, that are not just advocating for science, but they'll be advocating for for technology, for VR, for innovation. And so, um, you know, I, I certainly care about education. We I'm working at a science college, but um, that that education piece uh, is technically in another college. And so it wasn't one of the first things at the forefront of our mind, but I think it's going to be one of the most impactful things um, over these you know next few years as we think about 
uh, uh, students leaving uh, with those skill sets and then being advocates in the K-12 system um, for innovation, for VR, for digital twins, um, for teaching in that space. Let's talk a little bit about faculty adoption and yeah. uh, the acceptance among faculty. You know, my experience is that uh, faculty is a lot, you know, is the same bell curve as everything else in the world. You know, you've got, you know, those out in the third standard deviation on this side who are really early adopters, so the, the Greg Heibergers of the world. Most faculty, I would say, you know, those two middle deviations are um, interested. They think it could be useful, but they really haven't engaged with it. And then, of course, over here you have the uh, the never evers. Yep. Uh, so, so um, you know, mostly you and I have focused on those those out here, the the early adopters. But now I see in schools that we work with that the the, the big group in the middle are starting to dip their toe in the water. And and, and obviously, as you know, we've got the uh, the certificate program to bring people along and understanding why and how, but give, give us a little of some of your thoughts on best ways to bring faculty along, get them trained and get them into the, the world of teaching and learning in VR. I, I really think um, your, your assessment of the bell curve and, and the, the, the current state of faculty adoption and innovation is, is accurate. And to some extent that that's a good thing be, in some respects that, that, they care for the outcomes at such a high level that their willingness to risk is is pretty marginal or minimal. So I, I do value that. Now, that being said, um, the only way to accelerate and, and help them to adopt quicker uh, uh, in more uh, pedagogically sound ways is they just need more time. And we can't let the time be uh, linear in the in the sense of, uh, months and years, it's that we need to spend more time with them now. And so we found a lot of our wins being partners, uh, partnerships with our uh, instructional design services that they've been behind this. They, they have been partners, but we need to get more headsets there. We need to get more demos. We need to have uh, every time that there's a instructional design mini session, one of the mini sessions or two needs to be VR and, and Victor XR has been great. You've had some of your staff uh, uh, lead some of those. And then internally, um, we've led, you know, some of those trainings as well. So I think it, it really is an and uh, conversation. It's about relationships. It's about building real trust that, you know, it's got to be me walking down the hall and bumping into somebody and, and talking about the great experience that, you know, we just had in a recruitment event or a class or a lab. But it also has to be the data they're scientists or, or uh, well-informed educators. Um, they need to see that the data shows this is at least as effective, if not more effective as uh, some other modalities. And then they have to have the experience because it it is just a, it's not an experience you can give somebody a PowerPoint or give them a research paper um, and they can understand it. They gotta be in headset. They gotta touch and do and try. And it, it's the same thing for the sciences. You can't expect somebody to teach micro pipetting or plating or cell culture by reading a research paper, they need to actually do the, the the work, the physical manipulation. And I think that that's a key part of of being able to bring people along, um, and in the VR AR uh, innovation space as well. Yeah, you know, nobody ever learned a car just reading about it. Um, you, at some point, you got to get behind the wheel and you know go to a parking lot with your mom or dad and knock it down. So exactly. that, that's exactly the same thing here. And 
you know, sometimes when people are first getting into a virtual reality headset, they think it's just like turning on a, a Zoom call and they jump in five minutes before. And I, I always want to know, look, you know, you, 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 this is, it's not as hard as learning to drive a car, but it's not as easy as turning on your computer. You do need to get in and figure out how this new medium works and how to move and manipulate things, et cetera. So um, let's, let's talk about students. Um, you know, the students are the easiest consumer of this because they they love it and mm -hmm. that's our experience with it um what are so some many of the universities that we work with students check out the headset for the semester take it home and attend class or whatever the case might be others um, have labs on campus and then many do a hybrid they do a little of both what is the approach at sdsu and and how are students reacting so we've really used this in, in multiple ways. So we have a chemistry department that's invested at the level that, that they purchased um, and have a, a mo essentially a mobile VR lab, but it's stationary. Um, then we have students that have checked them out. So, you know, right now we've got, uh, well, last, last year we had the chemistry anatomy programs checking them out. This year we have the architecture folks um, and education students checking them out. So, um, you know, our, our experience, I think, is realistic. They need time to, to get oriented, um, to have some some basic level uh, uh, training. Um, but it's it's not that much, right? I mean, and, and so I, I think it, you know, as we think about this, you know, it's not the same. Uh, we need a week or two to get ready. We need 20 minutes or so uh, to get ready. But it's also not, like you said, uh, you can't just put it on and expect that, that they can... Uh, uh, just go with with nothing. So, um, you know, I think for our students, we've we've seen uh, lots of excitement. Uh, certainly, uh, as they think about how it can help prepare them for the workforce or help them to do things that are happening out in the workforce. I think one of our lessons learned is, you know, uh, the the truth matters, and uh, there there were a few rumors that went out that we're going to get rid of this lab or we won't do this experience because we're now. Uh, engaged with technology, and that's never been our our approach, at least not on the, the physical campus. Certainly, this hopefully will replace watching YouTube videos for an online class, um, but we don't want it to replace uh, actually learning how to pipette or actually learning to dissect or doing some of those things. Um, but it can make us more efficient in that. You know, if you can train pipetting before you walk into the lab, that's going to be a whole lot better laboratory experience. And so. So we've tried to be intentional, but it hasn't come without a few bumps in the road because you know sometimes things that are not true make themselves uh, make their way out. And and I think a big part of what we've done is just try to re-engage with the students and have open and honest conversations about about what it means and and what ways we're really looking at it in terms of um, how it can add to their skill development. Since you and I started working on all of this, have been really two big advancements that have come to the fore. As you may know, we are just getting off the ground, our VXR labs with our AI patients and AI tutors and uh, historical figures, uh, Thomas Edison being one, uh, Harper Lee from To Kill a Mockingbird being another, so you can actually go and have a conversation with Harper Lee or Thomas Edison. But uh, also the Quest 3 rolled out last year, last week. Uh, we showed it at EDUCAUSE with Meta, with a chemistry lab in mixed reality. So I was curious um, if you've given much thought to AI or, or maybe the inclusion of mixed reality in, in, in some of the, your classes or your, your plans. 
Yeah, so AI is probably a whole other conversation. Um, I think I'd, I'd maybe start with the mixed reality. I think um, there's a lot of value to VR and to, to, to focus, to kind of close down distractions and be in one space. But I think the, the mixed reality, augmented reality, um, has been something even with with what we would call pure VR, we were thinking about from the beginning, right? It was about engaging with other people. I mean, that's the digital twin concept, right? This is not a simulation. Not It's not always a simulation where you go off and do the thing on your own. Um, and I think mixed reality uh, affords us some more opportunities to be together, um, to have that, that human component, um, but also to to, to, to think about the spaces we currently have and how we can can add value to those. So, um, you know, we've spent some time with the pros, the, the, the Meta uh, Quest pros um, in that, that uh, uh, mixed reality space, um, really kind of starting to think about and starting to plan. But I think there's a lot of, a lot of great opportunity there. And, and certainly as we think about AI, there's, there's certainly a, a, a forefront there where we think about simulations or we think you talk about patients, um, you know, essentially to, to bring in an infinite number of possibilities versus a quantified pre-programmed number of possibilities. And I think there's certainly some uh, huge advantage uh, to that um, so that students don't get into a, well, I've already done the simulation and I'm not going to learn anything new or there's no new variants. But in reality, if you're a nursing student, you're a pharmacy student, you're a med student, um, every case is different. Every human is different. And um, uh, I think that there's a, a great potential there. I certainly have concerns, just like lots of us do, about what AI means for the future of education and, and how we help to train students. But I'm certainly more on the how do we leverage it, right? Just like Facebook 15 years ago or Twitter 10 years ago or the Apple Watch seven years ago. How do we leverage it? to add value rather than say, you know, how do we stop uh, students from using it so that they don't cheat? It's it's how do we think about this in a way that that uh, we can prepare them for the real world. They're going to use they're going to use VR, AR, mixed reality, they're going to use AI. Um, how do we help them to to build the right skills and ethical skills that that are going to be valuable to the workforce and the community? Yeah. I think I think that's exactly right. So, what what I what I love is that uh, having had a Quest Three on last week, the advancement beyond the Quest Pro is is really striking. Yeah. And so, as soon as you get a chance to get a requisition in for one of those, yeah, uh, that'll uh, and and they're going to probably probably be in a little bit short supply for a while, but uh, yeah. it's uh, definitely a game changer. So, talk to us a, a little bit about you know if if you had a group of new uh, metaversities, you know, directors sitting in a room with you and you had a chance to give them a little bit of advice on best practices and um, ways to approach uh, the implementation of this, um, what would you tell them? Um, I, I, I come back to, it's a really simple philosophy of challenge and support. And I think um, we have amazing faculty. And if you're, you know, you're a director of a metaversity project, you're working uh, with some amazing faculty, I'm certain. Um, but I, I still think that this idea of how can we challenge our students or faculty, whoever we're working with, um, to keep focused on the outcomes that we care about, and that could be the course outcomes, the program outcomes, um, but also providing them support to do so 
Um, and I'll be blunt about that. Like just buying headsets and having the software is not enough. They need time. They need, uh, it might be financial support. They need somebody by their side. They need a grad student um, that, that can be there to bounce ideas off of. Whatever it is at your institution, you've got to figure out that mix. For us, it was a little bit of all of that. You know, we funded some summer salaries, we funded some graduate students, uh, but we also uh, had our uh, instructional design team um, and a VR coordinator um, as a part of that. And we had a lot of things going on. Uh, not everybody's going to do that. They're going to have their two classes or their there are a couple of classes and their 40 headsets or whatever. But um, I think whatever it is, uh, you know, it's about that that challenge. You, you really want to keep those faculty focused, but you've got to be realistic that, you know, faculty today are all overworked, right? Their, their workload documents, I think, are due today on our campus. And, you know, uh, they all are, are working uh, more than that 100%. And so we've got to be really thoughtful about how we support the ones that are innovating. And, and protect them a little bit so that this doesn't feel like one more thing, but that it's one thing that their administrator supports, one thing that their supervisor really supports, and it's a part of what they're they're uh, asking them to do. So I would say surround them with support. And then uh, I think that the, the last thing is, is uh, you know, really hold the work up that they're doing uh, part the way through the semester, at the end of the semester, um, in newsletters and presentations on campus, because, Everybody else needs to learn from it, but they also need to be rewarded for, for the work that they're about to do because it is. It, it's more work. You got to build out lessons. You got to solve problems. You got to go through road bumps that you didn't know. But the the end result is is so worth it because the students are getting uh, this new learning experience. There's just so much added to the to the experience. So I, I don't know if that completely answers your, your question, Steve, but but I really think we got to keep keep challenging them, support them all the way through and then celebrate them uh, uh, as they as they get to those milestones along the way. Good. You um you had a lot of influence in the build out of your digital twin of the campus digital twin. And if there's somebody listening that doesn't know what that is, essentially it is a 3D replica of your campus that uh, you and a group of students can traverse and walk to class and sit in class. And um, essentially, it's ex extremely similar to being on a campus in real life. So uh, Greg, thinking about the digital twin at South Dakota State, um, do you have a favorite place on campus that, uh, that you think is just really cool? I, I think our American Indian Student Center, um, it really was a, uh, uh, culturally connected and, and driven by the students and the, the indigenous faculty and staff uh, in terms of its design. And I think to see it replicated in 3D um, uh, with the artwork, with the drum room, um, I think there's just a, a lot of value uh, in that. We haven't capitalized as much as we would like to in that, uh, but that we're on the cusp of that. I'm working with a, a, a postdoc or a PhD student um, in Michigan, and a lot of his work was capturing uh, cultural knowledge uh, in indigenous communities in VR, in 3D. And, and I think we've got a lot of that potential in the state of South Dakota. It's certainly a, a core part of who we are as a state and who we are as, a, as an institution. Um, you know, I think just like every campus, our Campus Green, uh, the Bell Tower, our Campanile, um, those are all iconic experiences. And so when, when a student can come in and, you know, uh, get a campus tour from our president in VR 
and see the campanile and walk across campus green that's pretty that's a pretty amazing kind of thing um, as well for for everyone but i do think it's also been a a great way uh, with the american indian student center to hold up some of our uh, minoritized students uh, also have you given any thought to um having your digital twin deployed um to the chromebook browser so that students can access it through their computers yeah so we've we've kind of bounced back and forth you know our admissions program looked at at one point buying and building out a digital twin essentially just for admissions um and so we've had those conversations we haven't kind of pulled the trigger or gotten to that point of deployment yet but i do think there's a lot of uh, potential there um, just in terms of general campus knowledge general access we've got a huge uh, initiative as an institution to really push our kind of recruiting and outreach from the high school down into the middle school level. And I think that that's a great opportunity. We are using the digital twin um, as a part of some of our outreach and recruiting. So we have a mobile lab. We've got uh, 24 headsets that we put in suitcases and take to high schools, but we also do middle school visits and we also bring middle schoolers to campus. And so um, sometimes they don't have time to do a full campus tour. Sometimes they uh, are not actually even physically on our campus, but they're at least able to put the headset on and and be able to walk around um, the digital twin. So um, I do think you know the 2D version uh, provides you know the opportunity to just reach the masses because um, every school's got a Chromebook program or every school's got computer labs and they may or may not have VR. But um, yeah, we've been we've been trying to utilize it and leverage it in in ways that are not just uh, the traditional curricula. Yeah, the University of Iowa Kippy College of Business um, underwrote the uh, digital twin for the campus. And then uh, also uh, it was deployed there. So if you're on a Chromebook or a PC or a MacBook, you could walk around campus. And it's, uh, yeah. you know, as an, as an Iowa alum, it's pretty cool. <laughs> That's so, awesome. Um, let's, let's wrap it up with this final question. Um, thinking ahead two years, five years, where do you where do you want this to go for South SDSU? I really think that where I would love to see it is that in in two respects, I I think the online space has a ton of potential um, as we think about rural, as we think about meeting community needs, as we think about doing better than Zoom and and uh, YouTube. I think there there's almost a mandate that we're we have to do better. Um, in online education. Um, and then I would say, I think there's a, a resource alignment concern that most campuses have. Currently, if you are a faculty member teaching English 101 or chemistry or anything in between, and you say, I wanna teach in a digital twin or I wanna teach in VR, whew, I would say that most campuses, it's going to be a six to 12 month battle of who's funding it. And, and so I think campuses need to think about how they deploy digital resources equitably across their campus. I mean, we just got lucky. I mean, I was in the right place at the right time to be connected to you, to be connected at the time that Meta was building stuff out. But but that means there's a lot of our faculty that, that haven't put a headset on, but also haven't really seen a path towards how do I get this for the 24 kids in my class or how do I uh, build out the curriculum here? And so I think universities, uh, as this, as the technology becomes more ubiquitous, we, our institutions, have to figure out ways to streamline that. Because right now, you know, whether it's a digital te textbook, there's a process every campus has, how they buy it, how they deploy it to students, it goes through the bookstore, it goes through a website. We don't have that for VR right now. We don't have that for AR. 
um, in terms of if I'm a faculty member and I want to to do this, they got to like get a hold of me, right? I'm I'm the guy on our campus, and and so I think that that every campus could could utilize kind of folding in um, this just like they do a lot of other software products um, in terms of their their offerings. You know, it's digital textbooks, it's uh, content, it's PowerPoints, it's clickers. You know, all of that stuff lives in a, in an instructional design space and there's a form you can fill out or a request you can put in or but you know i don't think that most campuses have this yet for for innovative tech like vr ar and i think that would um decrease some of the hurdles it's not going to decrease all of them but i do see that as a real as a real barrier awesome well greg we appreciate you joining us today and even more than that uh, I, I just really appreciate the um you know the extra time and effort you put into making something new happen it's uh you know it's certainly one of those things that uh most people seem to avoid because it it, it is challenging and, and there's more work involved but i think for people like you and me you know that's being a pioneer a trailblazer that's uh, a reward in and of itself so um uh thank you and i'll give uh last remarks to you well i just uh Say, say thanks uh, uh, as well. I think without Victory XR and Meta, you know, um, our growth curve looks very differently. Um, we certainly, uh, either way, we've got great faculty, either way, we've got great students, but I think our uh, ability to, to innovate uh, certainly was uh, sparked by um, this partnership. And so I just really appreciate you um, and your leadership and your trust in South Dakota State to, to be able to to do the right thing and, and move things forward and, and uh, impact students. And so just really looking forward to the Quest 3 and looking forward to the next uh, iteration of VXR Labs and the next iteration of the Digital Twins and um, lots of lots of amazing things to come. So really appreciate uh, being able to chat with you today. Thanks, Steve. Awesome. Thank you, Greg. And to all our viewers, thanks for joining us. 